We're turning to the book of Judges this morning and to the second chapter, Judges and chapter 2. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. The word Bochim means the weepers. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Baalim. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. But they did not so. And when the Lord raised up, raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They cease not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. Amen. We leave the reading just there. And we thank the Lord that we're able to read the word of the Lord together these days. So I want to take as a text here, the verse 10, uh, which we will read. And then we'll commit the thoughts to the Lord and our own thoughts to the Lord too. 
Verse 10, and also that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, we give thanks that we are able to open thy word. We pray, Lord, that thou teach us that we may be wise to receive the instruction of the words which are recorded here, that we should not be partakers of their sin, that we might not be as they were, but, Lord, taking wisdom from their error, that we might walk in truth. We pray, Father, that thou wilt help us to give attention to thy word this day, that we might hide the things of God within our hearts, Lord, that we might realize that these things are recorded for our admonition. Lord, they are recorded for, to give, be a warning to us, Lord, that we should not walk in these ways. And Father, we are saddened that so often, nevertheless, because we have not read, because we have not heard, because we have not given our attention to thy word, we go exactly the same way. And Lord, we pray that thou wilt deliver us, that thou wilt draw us unto thyself that we might hear the word of the Lord, and, Father, that we might be wise. Bless us then, we pray. Continue with us this day. In the Saviour's precious and worthy name we ask. Amen. <clears throat> so here we have uh, these words which are, well, words which have struck me many, many times, and I've used them in many sermons, just to use the quotation of this verse. Now there rose up a, another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And when we think of those words, we can recognize that very same thing happening in this country, uh, has happened in this country. We recognize that once, once upon a time there was a great blessing in this country when churches were built uh, continually, it seems, in every town and village, and not just churches, but multiple churches, and uh, some of those churches, I suppose, were built because of uh, schisms and troubles within the church where there were disagreements uh, over one thing or another. Uh, and that was uh, very sad that that should happen, but it was for the benefit of the gospel in the fact that it was disseminated further and that more should hear the word of the Lord. And so uh, even today we can see as we go through lots of the towns and villages of this country, uh, churches one after the other and churches of different hue uh, and uh, certainly sometimes of slightly different doctrine. But the people saw great things done in those days and uh, we have forgotten and have not known those things in this day because the people that have arisen have not seen them and they have not experienced them. So I want to consider this with you, uh, this portion of scripture, and seek to apply it to our own situation today and to give uh, warning also to the young amongst us. So the first thing we see here is the people's lack of knowledge. The second thing I want to draw your attention to is the reason for their lack of knowledge. And then thirdly, the result of their lack of knowledge. The people's lack of knowledge. Well, we read here then uh, that they uh, had no understanding or no knowledge of the things which have been done before them. In verse 10, once again, it says, and also, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now the former generation had known the works of God, 
uh, it's significant that it is written in such a way uh, that when Joshua died, the people began to wander off after the corruptions of the land into which they had come. The Lord had warned them and in fact instructed them that when they came into this land that they should break down all of the altars that were there. Uh, we see it there in the second verse of this chapter. And ye shall make no league, uh, no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Ye shall throw down their altars. The idea there is to get rid of all of the temptations to follow after the gods of the people that were there. And yet those temptations remained because they didn't cast down the altars. Now, we could say, well, in this day and age uh, in which we live, that is certainly uh, the way of thinking of those who have influence over us uh, through the media uh, and through government and so on, and pressure groups one after another, uh, that we should give way to every minority and whatsoever may come into the land that they should have um, a freedom to do as they will. Uh, But that, of course, introduces all kinds of corruptions and the people not only might follow after those things and not many, I don't think, uh, particularly have followed after those things, but nevertheless there is a compromise between them. And there is a confusion as well. There's a confusion which once there was not in this country. Once upon a time, uh, people knew that the gospel or the God of the Bible was the God who created the heavens and the earth. Uh, And that became a problem in itself in the fact that no one really needed to preach on it because everybody knew that already. And so uh, preachers didn't really particularly uh, consider that as being an important thing to preach. But of course now uh, that there are all kinds of gods which have come into the land uh, and in the minds of the people and in the traditions of the people, uh, there is a confusion. Well, which God is the right God? And this is an argument which is set before the common people of the country uh, to say, well, how do you know that the God of Christianity is the right God? Why is it not the God of Islam? Why is it not uh, the gods of, uh, of um, Hinduism or uh, other gods It could be anybody. How do you know that it is the God of the Bible? Of course, there is an argument to be made, and there is an argument to be won concerning uh, the God who is the creator of all things. Uh, None of these other gods have the uh, same credentials that the God of the Bible have. But, of course, the people don't listen to that because we are also in a time and an age of sound bites where if you can say it in ten words or less, then that is the thing which sticks in people's minds and arguments which may stretch over pages. Nobody's interested in listening to those. And so the argument is lost because it can't be stated in a few words. And that is a a great sadness. And it seems to me also an ignorance of of even understanding logic and and the like in this country in these days uh, feeds into that problem. But the problem here was, first of all, was there was no experimental knowledge. And there was no experimental knowledge because the people had no longer, it seems, any need to follow after the things which God had taught them. They were in the land. They were in the land. And those who had come into the land, we know, had seen mighty things. And it's significant, these words, in verses 6 and 7, when Joshua had let the people go, 
the, cheap, cheap, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And so they, they, they continued in the ways of the elders who had gone before them, but they only did so because the elders who had gone before them led them in that, that direction. There was nothing in their own minds, there was nothing in their own hearts, and there was no experience in their own ways. They hadn't proved God for themselves because, well, they had all that they needed, and indeed the elders and Joshua were the ones who would deal with all the situations that might arise. And that's a dangerous thing. And we need to remember this also with our own children, that they are brought up to understand that it, it is their relationship with the Lord which is important to them. That they know the Lord. That they see the answers to prayer. That they uh, uh, trust in him. And that those answers to prayer are remembered so that they know that the Lord answers prayer. They need some experimental knowledge for themselves. Here in Malachi, or not here, in the portion we read earlier, Malachi chapter 3, the Lord says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith. Prove me now herewith. This is a specific, of course, that the Lord is speaking of here. But the point that I want to draw from the verse is that the Lord's prove me now. Prove me. And that is trust in me. Call upon me, live as though I am with you, and see whether I am indeed with you. Because that is an experimental knowledge. That is to know that the Lord is, is with us. And then also we can say that there was no experimental knowledge because they lacked discipline. They lacked discipline. And we read there again in verse 6, And Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And so they went to that inheritance and they received that inheritance and there was no discipline to follow after the Lord. Uh, they, they didn't discipline themselves to, to walk in the way of the elders who had come before them. There was no consideration, it seems, in their minds that uh, how they came to inherit this land in the first place was because Joshua and the elders that were with him and the people that were with him trusted God. That was how they had these things in the first place. They were just an inheritance. They were just given to them. It was easy come. And so there was no experimental knowledge and we need a discipline. When we have something already, we need a discipline to recognize how that came about in the first place. And we look back in the history of this country and we see how the blessing of the Lord came about in this country. And we, we realize that there were those who put themselves out there even to lose their lives, that the word of God might be written in a language that the, that the plowboy could understand, that there was a, a stand for the scriptures that caused many to be um, executed for their stand, others to be imprisoned. Uh, John Bunyan was imprisoned, of course, for a long time. Others were burned at the stake for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. These are people of principle. These were people who were willing to stand. But we look at ourselves in this day and we say, well, we, we've got a church. It's already here. And what do we need to do? 
Uh, we, we, we've sort of fallen into it, and here it is. But it didn't come about in that way. The original uh, of, of the church, this congregation that gathered, uh, when it gathered in Hounslow, was a, a church plant uh, from North Street, as I understand, in, in, in uh, Brentford. And it was set up because of the e expansion of the preaching of the gospel. And it needed to be preached in Hounslow. And so the church was built there in Hounslow. And then later on it wasn't big enough and they built a bigger church in Hounslow. Uh, Zor Baptist as it was then. And the time came when the government uh, or, or the council decided they want to put a road through there. And so we ended up in this building. But the beginning of the church was because of the zeal of men and women who wanted to preach the gospel to the unsaved. We need to recognise that we need to be preaching that gospel to the unsaved too. It's a continuation of the work. But in order to do the work of God, we need to be uh, the, at the cutting edge, not just sitting back. And we, uh, we, we seek to do so. And uh, we need to keep in mind that even that work amongst the boys and girls at a holiday Bible club uh, in, in April is an outreach work. It is to get the gospel out to people. And we need to keep it very much in prayer and have that attitude toward it. The people lack discipline. In Proverbs 24 and verse 30, these words, uh, or the words that are con con contained here in the last of these verses, uh, are found twice in Proverbs. Uh, I'll tell you where it starts. But it says here in Proverbs 24, verse 30, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding and lo it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down then I saw and considered it well I looked upon it and received instruction yet a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to sleep so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. An armed man, well, we know something about the armed man just at the moment, don't we, in the Russian army, and, 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 and getting supplies to them. Uh, so that's what it means by the armed man. He's going out to battle. He's not growing anything. He's not going to the shops to buy. And so he requires to be uh, fed and to be supplied. Uh, and so we become to poverty unless that supply can, can continue. So here we need to recognize that there is a need for us to go forth and to work. Now there are many who will abandon uh, a, a situation and say, well, we'll go somewhere else where it's working already and then they can do it and I can just sit there and sit back and I don't need to do anything. But really, we should all look at our own hearts we should all consider ourselves and say to ourselves, what can I do for the work of the Lord? I'm an individual. I will stand before God as an individual, uh, not just as a member of a congregation. Uh, the congregation that I went to or joined with is not the uh, important thing when I stand before God, but it is what I did. It is what you did, uh, how you served the Lord and how you will answer in whatever situation you may be, whatever church, whatever congregation. So they had no experimental knowledge, they had no experiential knowledge either, because they hadn't seen the great works that their elders had seen, that they might desire to follow them. The elders, of course, had come in with Joshua, 
And they outlived Joshua. But they had seen the mighty works of God. They had seen victories. They had seen the fall of Jericho. They had seen the power of God as they came in and their enemies fell before them. And even great walled cities fell in their presence. And they had seen that God was powerful. And they remembered that. And so they were strong in themselves, knowing that God was with them, knowing what God could do. But the generation which grew up afterwards hadn't seen those things, and it seems had not learned even from their elders concerning those things. They had no experience. Which brings us to this, uh, the fact that they had no educational knowledge either. Had their elders even taught them? Who knows? They hadn't broken down. They hadn't remembered themselves to break down the altars of the, of the people that were there already. Had they taught their children? The scripture tells us that we are to, uh, to teach our sons and our daughters. Deuteronomy 4.9 Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them, thy sons and thy sons' sons, teach them. I wonder what we teach our children. Do we teach them to pray? Do we teach them to read the scriptures? Do we teach them to think about the scriptures? Because there are many who sit around the table, perhaps, and hear the word of God read. But are they taught to analyze the scriptures for themselves? Are they taught to apply the scriptures to the situations of this world? Are we reminding them of the things which have happened in our lives and the things indeed that have happened in this land? Are they going to grow up as those who have a lack of knowledge? Also in Hebrews, in chapter 2 and verse 1, we might ask the question, if the elders had taught them, had they paid attention? And... Quite often, boys and girls, young people, don't really give much attention. Certainly uh, in our young people's meeting, there are uh, times when uh, we might be speaking and there's little attention being paid. They might be digging each other or, or giggling about something or other. And we have to keep uh, stopping to, to get their attention back. But we can only get their attention back in the fact that they are actually looking at us and not messing about, but we can't get their attention so they're actually hearing what we say. That is the work of God, which is why it's important that we pray, and pray that the Lord will work in their hearts, that they actually understand what is being said. They're actually interested in what's being said. Last evening there was a a Christian film which we were showing to them. At the beginning of it there was a lot of messing about and giggling and so on. By the time it came to the end they were all, all, all silent and watching because it had become very intense and, and very interesting. That's what I presume, anyway. Uh, but their attention was there at the end of the film. And that is the part which was taken in. The rest of it, if you ask questions, I'm sure, and the clue what was going on. But here we see the importance of actually hearing. In Hebrews 2 and verse 1 we read, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. It's possible for us, it's not that it's not taught, it's not that it's not been there, it's not that we haven't come to the house of God and it's been preached upon, but we weren't paying attention and we didn't get anything from it. It's important that we pay attention 
to the word of God. And then we can say, well, they, people had a lack of knowledge. What's the reason for their lack of knowledge? Well, first of all, I would suggest that they trusted their leaders instead of God. And this is a big problem, I think, within churches. People go and they find a preacher which they like to listen to. And so they listen to that preacher and they hear him and they follow his ways and they do the things that he tells them. But those things have never really actually caught hold of them themselves. So that when that preacher is gone and another preacher comes into the congregation, that they don't know the difference. This is the new pastor. This is the new preacher. And they couldn't tell you if there was a difference in doctrine, if there was a difference in understanding, in a difference in teaching, because they never really knew from the first what the first man believed, let alone what the second man believes. And it's important that we understand that we're not trusting our leaders, we are trusting the Lord, that we're walking with the Lord, that we are testing all things by the scriptures. When the Joshua when Joshua and the elders who had been with him died, they lost out. They didn't know the secret for their success was communion, was prayer. That the secret of their success was their faithfulness. They didn't know that through those 40 years in the wilderness that the people had died because they were unfaithful and because they didn't trust God. And that the generation which grew up after them did trust God because God had taught them intensely in the wilderness to trust him. And that they came in and they took the land And so, for themselves, there was little prayer, little faithfulness, and indeed there were some who followed after the gods of the land. They forsook the Lord, verse 13, and served Baal and Ashtaroth. They prayed, but not to the right person. Perhaps they thought, well, gods are all the same, and this is the god of this land, and we're in this land now, and it's the land which is important to us, Again, here, we have to recognize that so, so often people are so in, in, taken up with, with the, um, the physical aspects of life that the important thing to them is not to worship the Lord, but it is to find a husband, to find a wife, to get a house, to get a good job. That's what they're praying about. That's what they're seeking. And if it's not working out, then they must be in the wrong church. But they're not there to, to seek the Lord and to know him. They trusted leaders instead of God. Again, there's these words which are, uh, stood out to me last Lord's Day. We were thinking about Isaiah 43 and the 12th verse. And it, we read there, I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. When there was no strange God among you. In Deuteronomy also, in chapter 32 and verse 12. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. What are the strange gods in our lives? Do we make strange gods of the material? Do we make strange gods of the teachings of men, the philosophies of men. What has crept into our understanding from the constant bombardment of, of the, the, the uh, ethics, so they're called, of mankind. This humanism, as it's termed. It's not really humanism at all because it is not to the benefit of human souls. It is to the destruction of souls, but that's what it's called. How much of that has come in and pushed out what God is teaching? 
Are we trusting our leaders instead of trusting the Lord? Are we basing our understanding upon the scriptures or what people say about the scriptures? I'm always amazed if you read uh, some of the um, sermons of of men, even in the uh, 19th century, late 19th century, how little exposition of scripture there is. There's a lot of sermons and there are stories told in those sermons and there are uh, all kinds of applications which are made from a verse, but no ex- actual exposition of what is going on in the portion of Scripture. What is being said here? What does this actually mean to us in its context for us today? But somehow just taking a few words, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, perhaps, and then preaching about evil that we might do rather than seeing what was the evil that they were doing. And how does that apply to us in these days? And I think one of the reasons why Christianity weakened so much was people didn't understand the scriptures. They knew what the preacher said because they heard him week by week, but they didn't actually understand the scriptures. What is being said? What is Paul, Paul's argument in Ephesians? What is Paul's argument in Romans? What is he saying there? Why has he written this? That's the important thing, that we have a foundation. They trusted their leaders. They left it all to others. And then they tolerated lawlessness in their midst. They allowed corruption and idolatry to remain in their midst. They allowed their own lust to be enticed. Remember, James says that we are drawn away of our own lust and enticed. But if we leave the, the situations which entice us around us, then we are opening ourselves to be enticed. We are opening ourselves to the lusts which draw us after those things. Let's get rid of them. Get rid of them, and then we won't follow after them. And there are many things we can't get rid of. They are all around us. You know, the whole world is, is following after these things, and it's very difficult to, to avoid them. And those are the things we particularly need to pray concerning. But what we can get rid of, let's get rid of. They tolerated lawlessness. They tolerated corruption. They tolerated idolatry. And soon they were enticed after it. We see there in verse 11, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baalim. In verse 13, They forsook the Lord and served Baalim and Ashtaroth. It seems that that even there is a progression. There in verse 11, they did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, but they also kind of served the Lord at the same time. But then they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, and they served Baal and Ashtaroth instead. That's the way men go. We follow, we follow after the lusts of our hearts. And the wonderful thing for them, of course, of serving Baal and Ashtaroth is that Baal and Ashtaroth don't tell them to do anything. Whereas God has a commandment for us, and it's one of righteousness, which we find very hard. In James chapter 1, verse 14, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And therefore, what happened to them can happen to us, because our lusts are the same as theirs. They were human, we are human. Their circumstances, what surrounded them at that time may be different, but that doesn't make a difference because it's not a problem of what's around us, it's a problem of what's in us. 
It's not what the particular temptation is in the day or at the time, but it is the sin which dwells in us, which draws us out after that particular temptation. We don't serve Baal and Ashtaroth. Don't even know who Baal and Ashtaroth are, probably. But nevertheless, what do we serve? Why are we drawn out after? And the people took the land and forgot God. They thought that the battles under Joshua were the whole work. They didn't realize that the battles remained. We need to be, uh, we need to recognize that there is a battle which we continually fight. In Exodus 23 and verse 29, the Lord said to the people, I will not drive them out before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. We try to uh, spiritualize this and, and, and draw a lesson from it. We have to be very careful in, in drawing the lesson and, and I want you to be very careful in, in what you hear from what I say here. But the Lord comes in and he redeems us and justifies us when we call upon his name. And then we have a life to live and there are sins which remain. We have difficulties, we have struggles, we have strifes and we might ask the question, well, if the Lord has saved me, why am I so easily taken with this lust? Why am I so easily taken with that sin? Why are these things still with me? Why am I not just made righteous so that I can live in righteousness? And the thing which I want to say, which is, which I want you to take in the right way and, 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 and not just to think that God agrees with sin, but there are many lessons we learn in striving against sin. And the sins which remain in us, the Lord will drive them out, but he would do so slowly. So we are in a constant battle to overcome the sins and we will grow stronger as we overcome those sins. We are seeking, as it were, to take the land of our own hearts and we need to strive to do so because it's not going to happen in a moment. If we know Christ, then he has come in and he has justified us so that when we stand before God, God will see no sin. Nevertheless, as we live in this world, sin remains in us and we are striving to overcome it. And it will be overcome slowly but surely as we continue to walk with the Lord and as we put him first, he will give us victories. Some of them may take the rest of our lives. And we won't be perfect when we die. But being justified, we will be accepted as perfect. Nevertheless, even though sin remains he will not drive them out from before us in a year. Second Peter 3.17, we read, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things be before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So the struggles that we have against sin, we need to keep on pressing against them. We need to learn from them. We learn many things, even from our sins. We learn our weakness. We learn God's strength. 
We learn that other people are sinners too. We learn forgiveness. We learn to, uh, to be compassionate. We learn to recognize that not everybody is going to overcome their problems uh, any easier than we overcome our problems. Uh, and we need to be forgiving and we need to be uh, compassionate towards them. And finally, the result of their lack of knowledge. Well, first of all, they came under a delusion. They slipped into an easy formalism, and that soon became idolatry. We can be very, we can easily be formal, can't we? There are lots of people who go to church, and well, we've seen because of, of COVID, in actual fact, we've seen how it is that through COVID, when churches were closed, some people uh, who used to come to church don't go to church anymore. They did so because, well, it was a part of their form. That's what they did. On a Sunday, they would get up and they would uh, dress up and they would go out to church. But because of COVID and the churches were closed, and some churches were closed for a long, long time, uh, people found that, well, we don't really need to go to church. Uh, We could listen to preaching on the internet, and there's lots of it about. And we don't really need to do that even on Sunday. We could do that any day of the week. So we can do whatever we like on the Lord's Day. And we can listen some other time during the week. And it just becomes a formalism. And that can soon become something completely different where we're worshipping the form instead of the Lord. And it's something that we do. We're not actually walking with the Lord anymore. And the delusion comes upon them. Well, they're still worshipping, aren't they? They're still religious. They're still in the land. But they have forsaken the Lord. And now they're serving Baal and Ashtaroth. We have to be so careful we don't serve Baal and Ashtaroth. Because we've forgotten. We've forgotten that the Lord's call is that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That we are to exhort one another while it is yet day. That we are to edify one another that we are to grow together in grace that we receive strength one from another encouragement one from another that these things are important that our children are to be taught the things which we have learned and which we have experienced and that they should know a big problem in these days I think is that somehow it got through to people's minds that Well, we should allow our children to make their own decision when they're old enough, whether they want to go to church or not. But of course they don't, because they've never been. They don't know what church is, never been through a door. And it's a very difficult thing to go into a new place. Even I have been to church all my life. Uh, Even before I was saved, I was taken to church. I've been on holiday and I've looked at a church and I thought, well, I could go there. But to actually walk in through the doors of a, of a strange church amongst strange people is not that an easy thing to do, even though you're a Christian. So to, for people to walk in off the street into a church which they've never been to before in their lives. And of course, this, is, this has come round to the fact that many grandparents who are now passed away, their children have never gone to church because they said, well, they can make their decision when they get older. And of course their grandchildren know nothing about God whatsoever because their parents never learned anything and they've never been taught anything. And they've turned away from the Lord to Baal and Ashtaroth, to the teachings of the world. Oh, they're still getting theological teaching, but it's 
in actual fact, an atheological teaching. They're being taught now that there is no God, which is nonsense. A delusion comes upon them and the distress. Verse 14, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. And distress came upon them. And distress comes upon many of us today, seeing the state of the church as it is. And it has come about because the people have forgotten the Lord, because they have not been taught, because they have not heard, because some... uh, atheistic philosophy has come to them that it doesn't really matter and well whatever happens happens well it can be in our hands somewhat to go forth and to proclaim the gospel and to see the work of god done once again as it has been done in time past the lord has done it before and we can know it and we can turn to the old paths and we can look up and we can find out what joshua the son of Nun did, what Spurgeon in the past accomplished, what George Muller accomplished, what George Whitfield accomplished, and so on and so forth, we can see what God is able to do. And we can be those people to serve the Lord in our day. May the Lord bless his word to us.